The last day of filming the final chapter was the opening scene, where the police arrive and Jason's body is lying there. There was a moment after we finished the final shot, where Joe Zito said, Jason's gone. He's dead. Then, after a long pause, Frank Mancuso said, Yeah, it feels kind of odd to know he's really gone. Jason is dead, and Mrs. Voorhees is dead, and we've seen the last Friday the 13th. And I think at the time, they really did believe it. and ghouls i'm katie tool and i'm sean reedy and this is friday night frights a podcast about summer days young love and mass murder in the moonlight mm, so romantic mm-hmm. tonight we are doing friday the 13th the final chapter the not so <laughs> the not so final chapter yes Unfortunately, they can't really change the name after they've released the movie. Yeah, I mean, plans are in place, and then they're like, but wait, there's more. <laughs> right? Ha-ha. <laughs> 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 Fooled ya. Ha-ha. Ha-ha. Um, with good reason, however, in all fairness, right? Like, you know that I you know that I never shut up about this, because it's it's just completely hilarious to me, right? But when I was doing the research for this episode... I learned that Friday the 13th, the final chapter, had, at the time, like to that point, the biggest opening weekend box office for Paramount Pictures. Really? Yes. They had the highest Friday the the 13th, part four had the highest grossing opening weekend at the box office in the history of Paramount Pictures. Huh. At the time. I mean, obviously, I'm sure that's been blown out of the water by now, but at the time, it was ridiculously well-received. I mean, that's impressive. I mean, it is, it honestly is, like, for a Friday the 13th film, a good, it's a good film. It really is. Like, it is one of my favorites. And I think that it's, I think that it's one of a lot of people's favorites. Yeah. Um, because it's just, I don't know. You can just tell. You can just tell the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, they still didn't have a giant budget. It was like, I think, 2.2 million. And... They ended up grossing, like I said, they had that highest, you know, highest grossing opening weekend. They made $11 million in their first weekend. And they ended up grossing like 39-ish million. So, you know, still didn't, wasn't hugely expensive to make and made them a shit ton of money. Right. But it just feels so much more polished than anything that came before. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a much more well-rounded film. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, relative to the other films you know. in the series. Yes. <laughs> we're, speaking, we're speaking in relative terms, of course. Um, it's still not yeah, a great but also, movie, but... <laughs> right, but it is super fun. It is. Like, it is, it's just a really fun... 
um, entry into the slasher genre. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the characters are hilarious and the situations are hilarious. Um, you know, they had a set of double mint twins, which is also hilarious. <laughs> oh, so here's a fun fact. Here's a fun fact about the double mint twins that I actually just read today. Originally, only one of the twins, mm-hmm. Camilla Moore, came in to read for one of the other parts. I think the part of Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, and they looked at her res- resume and saw that she had been a double mint twin. And they were like, oh, you're a twin? That's great. We should we should cast both of you. And literally wrote the parts of Tina and Terry that's so they could cast those twins <laughs> ridiculous that is ridiculous Completely. and i love it or like maybe okay maybe maybe tina already existed mm-hmm. in the script and like she came in to read for tina and then once they saw that she had a twin they're like no no no, no. tina has a twin now too yep but something like that like one at least one of those characters got written in after they found out that Kill- camilla moore had a twin sister I love that. I mean, this is just, it's just indicative of how these films are made, right? Like, they're just like, they're they are just flying by the seat of their pants oh, at all times. At all times. <laughs> like, just. They're like, let's do this now. You know what? Let's, uh, let's change this and uh, we're going to completely change the plot. Um, and we start Such filming yesterday. Right. Well, I mean, that's another thing. So here's another thing. And this actually, this wasn't really their fault. This was, this was Paramount. This was Frank Mancuso Sr. Mm-hmm. Not Junior. Junior was the one who was associated with the series. Right. Senior was the head of Paramount Pictures mm-hmm. at the time. Joe Zito was such a perfectionist that this six week shoot mm-hmm. turned into a 12 week shoot. Oops. And also... Another fun fact, they started filming on Halloween. Yes. (laughs) Like, can you imagine? Um, But it was supposed to come out the following fall, like around the time of Halloween. Right. But Paramount was like shifting around its schedule for the year, right? And they were like, oh, there's a Friday the 13th in April. And, and a slot has opened up. So we want this done by April 13th, 1984. Right. So guess what? You got six weeks to edit it. Bye. So you've got six <laughs> weeks to edit it. And like they rented them a beach house. <laughs> and like Joe Zito and uh, Harry Manfredini and, uh, you know, a few other people, the editor and the writer, I think. And then, you know, a bunch of like production assistants lived mm-hmm. in this beach house in malibu for six weeks working non-stop around the clock to get this movie ready to show in 1500 theaters on april 13th 1984 and they did it you yeah. get released on april 13th 1984 you know so. what and consider like the fact that they it only took them six weeks to edit that is they they did a very of a, a, a great job to edit that movie right the way that they did well, yeah, because think of it, think of this as well, because they, they not only had to edit it once, they had to edit it once and then send it to the MPAA and then edit it again. Yep. And take out anything that, that wasn't kosher, mm-hmm. right? And they, they had to trim quite a bit, actually, 
because Be- apparently the gore was even more over the top than it is in the film. Oh, gosh, we needed like a director's cut. There's not one, is there? I don't think. I don't think so. I think that in some, I think in the like um, special features of the DVD, mm-hmm. there might be like some deleted scenes. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's like a full on director's cut. Right. Because I, I don't think that Zito ever made one. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be super fun. We're going to get into Friday the 13th, the final chapter, mm-hmm. which it is not. Mm-hmm. But first, it is Shock <laughs> It's very hard to do that remote. Right. We're not in the same room right now. No, we're not. <laughs> Tonight's shock tale is called The Voorhees, for obvious reasons. Right. And this is pretty much a Moscow mule, um, but we're using bourbon instead of vodka. So it's two ounces of bourbon, half an ounce of lime juice, and then top that sucker with ginger beer. Get it. Before we dive into this film... Hmm. We do have to make a quick pit stop in Camp Crystal Clear. If I may. You may. You must. (laughs) (laughs) I must. So last time on the minisode, uh, I said, as I've said before, that Camp Crystal Lake is supposed to be in upstate New York. When I was talking about how they moved the production to California, Mm -hmm. right? That it's supposed to be in upstate New York. It is supposed to be in New Jersey. And I know this. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I've had to make this correction before on this podcast. (laughs) But Camp Crystal Lake is in New Jersey. The first two movies were filmed in New Jersey. It's in New Jersey. So just, you know, getting that off my chest. Hey, second time's the charm. It's fine. It's fine. Apparently. Maybe by the next Friday the 13th, whenever that is. I actually don't know when the next Friday the 13th is. I don't know either. But maybe by then I will remember that Camp Crystal Lake is in New Jersey. You got this. I got it. I am a professional. I mean, Um, I'm so professional that I didn't really actually remember where it ever took place. So (laughs) I never caught it. So here we are. (laughs) Here we are. I was like, yeah, New York, for sure. Yeah, that that sounds right. Upstate? You said the sure. thing. Yeah. Yeah. That looks like upstate New York. Where people go camping. Yeah. Yeah. That's where people go camping. Right. Right? But yeah, so Camp Crystal Lake is in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Friday the 13th, the final chapter, mm-hmm. was filmed in California. Yes. Uh, just like part three. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but it was at least a real lake this time. I'm so glad. Mm-hmm. Was at least a real lake. Um. This movie had a lot of production problems. Oh, yes, it did. I mean, it was... So, in the previous movies, they had the issue of not really knowing what they were doing Mm -hmm. and not really having any money, like we've talked about in previous episodes about the franchise. But they didn't hate each other. Yeah. I mean, like, there there were... There was tensions, certainly. I think there is in every film, especially like films that are being made under these conditions, Mm -hmm. but not to this extent. 
Yeah, this one was a special snowflake of a shithole. Shit show. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Like, so, um, that being said, I actually, it, like, for me, it's one of the better films in the franchise. I I have to say I agree. I really do. Um, if only because they they kind of expanded it a little bit. They did. They gave... I feel like they gave the, the story a bit more substance. And I really appreciated the psychological spin that they kind of threw in there a little bit. It's small. But it's there. Right. Well, I think the character development in general is a lot better. Yes. No, I absolutely agree. Like, there is... There is genuine character development in this film. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not all just, like, the same generic teenager. They have distinct right. personalities. And then, of course, there's Tommy Jarvis. But it's like... It's hilarious to me because the solution to every, like, story problem in the 80s was throwing a kid. Yep. It was absolutely like, oh, are you having trouble with, like, your storylines getting stale and your audience getting bored? You know what you need? A prepubescent. <laughs> like, they do you have a 12-year-old? Throw him in there. <laughs> well, and I, and I do think that they did a good job with, like, including the kid and... I don't know. The execution overall was was definitely better than the previous two. Right. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot slicker. Yes. I was watching it today, and I like wrote down in my notes. There's more than one set this time. You know, quick side note too. Um, speaking mm-hmm. of sets, um, like I'm just gonna backtrack a little bit to um, Friday the Thirteenth, the game. Like so. Yeah. Sure. Go for it. So. So, and I have to celebrate them because they did a spectacular job of executing the sets and making them maps. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one of the later maps that they added in was the Jarvis house. Oh, awesome. And you can go into both houses and it's actually, mm-hmm. it's one of my, uh, I feel like a lot of people don't like it, but I actually really enjoy the houses. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just a really interesting map to play on. But and and I have to say overall, like they did a really great job of uh, of executing just every single movie set into a map. They didn't do all of them. They didn't do all of right. them. But they did a good chunk right. of them. Well, I mean, there are a lot of them. There are, there are. They abs- <laughs> as we've been over, right? Like, but yeah. So one of my favorite things about. The franchise. We all know that my favorite thing about the franchise is the fact that there are two movies called Final. Yes. Right? That's my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. But I have other favorite things. And one of them is like the increasing number of people that get credited with the creation of the characters in the opening credits. <laughs> They're like, based on the characters created by. And like, at first it was just Victor Miller. Right. And then it was like, Victor Miller, Ron Kurz. And there's like, in this one, there's like three other people. <laughs> like, like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on here. Just like this Rus- Russian nest- nesting doll of, of writers that have, like, worked on this thing. It's hilarious. Um, but, yeah, there's always, like, every single movie, there seems to be issues. Mm-hmm. Right? And then 
in between movies, there are falling out, you know, and, and people refusing to come back and people regretting that they did it and yada, yada, yada. Although I will say that in this one, they got Tom Savini back. They did, and I'm so glad that they did. And oh my God, that execution. Boy, will we talk about that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, like I said in in the minisode, you just can tell mm-hmm. when Tom Savini is involved. Yep. Like, it's just different. Um but yeah, I actually, I actually, when I saw his name in the credits, when I was watching it today, I kind of cheered a little. Mm-hmm. I was like, yay, Tom's back. Um, <laughs> but what's funny is that Tom Savini specifically came back because he was like, because it was going to be the last movie. Right. And he was like, okay, we're going to kill off Jason. And like, you know, I helped create Jason and I want to like come full circle and put this thing to rest. Mm-hmm. Like, specifically, that was his reason oh, yeah. for wanting to do the fourth movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, no. And, and then, well, and then it continued. You know, Tom Savini certainly plays into this. As much of a dick as Zito was, and, like, made everyone's lives miserable on this set, he understood something fundamental about Jason. Mm-hmm. That two and three just didn't quite get. And that is... You cannot treat Jason like a human serial killer. Right. As soon as they introduce Jason as as the killer rather than Pamela, but then like, you know, it kind of stumbled a little bit in the in the first two mm-hmm. or like the second and the third one. These straddled the line between slashers and a monster movie. Right. Like Jason is a monster, and I don't mean that metaphorically like you call you know john wayne gacy a monster Mm -hmm. right like i mean literally he's a monster he's more like i i think it was i think eli roth in the um bravo special i could be wrong i could be do not quote me because i could be 100 (laughs) percent wrong about who said this Mm -hmm. because there are a lot of fucking people in that special there are but i think in 100 scariest movie moments eli roth compares jason to the shark in Jaws. I mean, it's... Yeah. And it's not a bad comparison. It's not. And Jaws is a monster movie. hmm Right? The fact that Tommy Jarvis has one of those weird 80s kid in a movie hobbies that, like, he's way better at than a kid his age should be. Uh, yes. And no one seems to think it's weird. hmm Right? His, like, weird 80s kid hobby is making monster masks. Right. And that's part of, like, his his sort of interest in special effects and makeup effects is part of what, like, allows him just to distract and defeat Jason at the end of the movie. Which, okay. Listen. I mean. So, I mean, we can get into it later. Right. But, but like, quick. Quick into it. I just, like, when I was watching it, so, uh, so full disclosure, mm-hmm. this is the first time that I've watched the fourth movie. Oh, really? This is the first time. Oh, okay. I own all of the, at least the main movies. Right. Um, I don't believe, because I have, like, the eight movie pack or whatever, so I think mm-hmm. it's missing, I know it's missing Jason X and Freddy vs. Jason, and then it's missing at least one other one. I think it's, is it? Jason Goes to Hell. Okay. 
That's the one I thought it was. I couldn't remember if it was that one or Manhattan. It was, I'm like, it's one of the two. So yes, so never seen the movie before, was watching it for the first time. And, you know, uh, Tommy's sister is running away from Jason and he's just upstairs shaving his head. And I'm like, what? What are you doing? What are you doing? Like, I'm sitting here staring at the TV like, I'm sorry, sir. You need to go and uh, go the fuck downstairs. Because mm-hmm. what? 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 And then, like, he came downstairs and then I realized what was going on. I'm like, oh, this kid's a genius. Right. I mean, yes, he is. But also, like, it, yeah, it was it was a scheme that took a very long time. It took way too long. Considering that they had very little time. Yep. Because <laughs> he was, like, already there. Yes. <laughs> he was already in the house. Um, but yes, yeah, we will talk more about that when, when we when we get to the end. Because that is, you know, it is it is iconic. I mean, it is, you know, mm-hmm. to- Tommy Jarvis as, like, as pretending to be Jason was, became, like, one of the enduring images of the series right this is the first movie i think that jason is is rightly and truly a monster yeah i would agree because he's dead right he's dead at the beginning and comes back to life mm-hmm. right so like we have now crossed the line into this is a very strong almost invincible man to like this guy's paranormal yeah and even with the confusion about whether or not he actually died in the lake when he was 10 mm-hmm. He was definitely declared dead at the beginning of this movie. Yep. And then he got up off the table. So it's like, at that point, it's like, we are no longer dealing with a man. Mm -hmm. He is a monster. He is a monster. Unlike the ambiguity between like how far part two and part three are apart, Mm -hmm. part four picks up immediately after part three takes off. Yep. Um, It is literally the cleanup of the crime scene from part three mm-hmm. and they're like okay <laughs> and remember during the minisode i was like they took her away and he was still just laying in the barn well now here come the here comes the ambulance to take him right. to the morgue because he's dead mm-hmm. right um so they take him to the morgue and i kind of want to just this part because it's not that scary right like just up until jason wakes up mm-hmm. I kind of want to show my partner because she's a pathologist. <laughs> and I feel like she would get a kick out of this guy. I definitely agree. I think she would too. Right? Like, I think we should show it to her. I feel like in every movie, there's a guy who works in the morgue who's like eating a donut. Every time. Yeah. Like, there's always like some really irreverent. And like, I get it. I get that they're irreverent. But like, I don't, I don't think, I don't think they eat. Not around the bodies. Not around the bodies. And, like I'm sorry, sir. Because because it is against protocol. Right. Like not not because they're like grossed out by the dead people. Like yes, of course they get like a a sense of of like a sort of um, desensitized to death right. in general. But just like that would be against protocol. Well, and sir, I'm sure you used a dead body as a table. Right, yeah, it's true. That is true. He wasn't just eating a donut. He put the donut on Jason's yep. chest. Yep, he was like, let me just set this down. Uh, and then he put it back in his mouth. Yep, yep, yep. Ew. No, thank you. Like, there are so many reasons why that's not okay. Um, what's funny is, 
Ernie in Return of the Living Dead does the same thing. Yes. He's literally eating a donut. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. It, it is, it is, you know, and we immediately, of course, have like a guy being a complete asshole to a girl. Yep. Who then almost sleeps with him. Yeah, I'm like, girl choice. But does catch herself. I know, because she like she does not like him. No. She acknowledges <laughs> She it makes multiple that very clear. Times. And then she's like, but I kinda want your dick. I don't want you, but I do want your dick. And you know what? I understand that psychology. I, mean, I understand I mean, that. I get it. I understand that yeah. mindset. I've, right. I've been in that mindset before. But <laughs> but 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 ma'am, he was just the worst. He was the worst, yeah. I mean, you know. He was that classic um, 80s jokester. Like. Right. Yeah. The jokester where it's just like, these aren't jokes. This is harassment. Yep. <laughs> like pretty straightforward. You can be funny without doing this. Right. Yep. <laughs> um, Jason straight up cock blocks him. Mm-hmm. Because like she's, she is acquiescing. Oh yeah. And then Jason hand, Jason's hand falls out. <laughs> And hits her, which would be the most upsetting thing that could ever happen to you in real life. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, obviously the, the body coming fully back to life, but that's that's make-believe, right? right the actual, yeah. but, like, the first part could happen. And, like, why would you put yourself in that position? Right, like, I'm sorry. I'm not making out with nobody like, in front of a dead body. It ain't happening. Yeah, like, go somewhere else. <laughs> I, Especially a dead body with, like, a lot of open wounds. Like, there's a lot of things that are happening. And why isn't he in a... Why isn't he in a fridge already? Yeah, they were just like, let me just leave him out to... He's just... Breathe. You know, he's just gonna chill. Like... <laughs> like he's a fucking bottle of wine. Like, he just needs to... He just needs to open up. It's fine. I mean, he was going to open him up, so... But up, um, now he also has the look of more of a monster. Like his his skin has gotten all like weird and mottled, mm-hmm. right? Whereas before, if like if you look at the scenes in, and what's funny is that I remember Jason being so much like looking kind of like a monster zombie thing mm-hmm. that it was actually jarring to me when like they showed a knife in a normal human hand. In the second I know. Yeah, it threw me off too. Like, it legitimately, I was like, that looks weird. Because you're just so used to Jason being, like, just looking wrong. Like, not looking like normal human skin. Right? Which I feel like also supports my theory that this man was actually someone that was was not of the right mind. Was not actually Jason. And then just happened Mm -hmm. to go through this whole process. (laughs) Just for some reason, just was reincarnated. <laughs> like, like I, I'm like, no, 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 or reanimated, just, right, right, right. Yeah, the, like that whole thing. But I, mm-hmm. yeah. But that, yeah, it the being mean, just a normal, normal human being that just happened to be wearing a sack, or it, mm-hmm. in the, the latter half of part three, a hockey mask. Like, it mm-hmm. was just a dude. It was just a big dude. Mm-hmm. It's a big dude. They are big. They are big. Men. Okay, so. I went to, um, I can, I can post the picture, even though it's not the same guy who's in this film, but, um, I went to Motor City Nightmares Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago. I met, uh, one of the Jasons. He was, uh, Jason in part six. I also met Tom Matthews, which is very exciting, but we can talk about that when we talk about Return of the Living Dead. 
Um, <laughs> even though he did play Tommy Jarvis. But um, that man was one of the biggest people I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. The picture that you sent me of you two together, like... Yes. You came up to, like, his like, hip. Yes. <laughs> I legitimately was half of this man's body. Yes. <laughs> and it was... Wow. Like, he was... And he was so... And he was broad. I'm like, you, you just kind of assume that it's some sort of forced perspective... Or, like, lifts in the shoes mm-hmm. or, like, padding in the costume, right? No, no. No, they just hired... At least dudes. this guy? Yeah, at least this guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I suppose I can't speak for all the Jasons, but this Fair. guy was giant. Mm-hmm. So where were we? Um, oh, the guy and the nurse got killed. Mm-hmm. Yep, first two victims. Those are the first two victims. And then we switch back to the community of Crystal Lake. Yes. Right? Like we talked about, Jason has left Camp Crystal Lake at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, because people have simply stopped going to the campground. And I mean, this time it was by force. Um, he was taken in an ambulance away from Camp. Crystal right, Lake. like he was taken away. Mm-hmm. But we're back to the we're back to the community surrounding Crystal Lake itself. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. And we meet the Jarvis family. Mm-hmm. So the Jarvis family. Um, do we ever learn the mom's name? I don't believe we do. I'm going to look it up to see if she actually has a name or if she's just like Mrs. Jarvis. I think she's just Mrs. Jarvis, but... Um... Yeah, she's just Mrs. Jarvis. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there is the mom who is who is just Mrs. Jarvis or mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trish, who is played by Kimberly Beck. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Tommy, who is played by Corey Feldman. Yes. A very young Corey Feldman. Oh, yeah. Like, even in the context of Corey, of, like, his other films, this is, like, one of the first that he was in. Yeah, because I think he uh, was, th- like, I think that... He was 13. Yeah, and he, he was in Gremlins before this. Yeah. But... But this kid, like, it's so funny to me because I had always thought of, it didn't really hit me until I was doing the research for this episode that, yes, Corey Feldman was in, in all kinds of movies in the 80s and, like, even into the early 90s. But he was also just in a shit ton of horror movies. Yeah, he was in, he definitely was in quite a few. Right? Like, he was in Gremlins. It's in oh, this. Gremlins actually came out the same year. Oh, the same year. Okay. Yeah. I don't think his part like was huge in Gremlins. No, I don't think so. Either. Certainly not as big as it was in this. Right. Um, he was in the Goonies. He was in the Goonies, of course, which you know isn't really a horror movie, but definitely has some like horror tropes in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was in the Lost Boys too. That was horror. And he was in Lost Boys. Yeah, like that was straight up horror. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it's kind of funny but yes so they have a lake house at crystal lake the mother is separated from the husband right they only like mention him in passing he is apparently you know elsewhere must be back in the city right wherever he is uh and they learn that the house next door to theirs has been rented out for the weekend Mm -hmm. by 
the obligatory group of cannon fodder college kids. Yep. <laughs> that comes with every Friday the 13th movie. Mm-hmm. However, like I said before, I feel like this particular group of cannon fodder college kids was more memorable than some of the others. I agree. I, I think that they did really give them a bit more personality. There was a bit more conflict. Um, a little more interaction even between them yeah. and like group dynamics mm-hmm. that like wasn't necessarily present in the other ones. Right. Um, what I had forgotten was that one of those cannon fodder children was Chris. I know. I saw him and I was like, I'm sorry. Oh my God. What? You little what are infant you doing Crispin here? Glover. I know. Uh, still playing this the This was before Back man. to the Future. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Like, wow. Um, but yeah, so he plays Jimmy, who is, I would argue, like the focus of most of that group of kids. Yeah. I think he probably gets the most screen time of that group mm-hmm. of kids. I would say it's a it's a close call between him and oh I'm forgetting her name, but she was uh just Sarah is it the one that was like into the dude that was sleeping in the bunk bed. Right, the 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 virgin. Yeah, who like decides to not be a virgin, <laughs> not be a virgin anymore. Yeah, and then is immediately killed because it's a slasher, and that's how it goes. And that's how they do things. Yes. Um, yeah, I think I think that she got a pretty decent amount of screen time too. But I do agree. I think that he probably got the most overall. Mm-hmm, he had the mm-hmm, biggest mm-hmm, personality mm-hmm. out of all of them. Yeah, she was played by Barbara Howard. But yeah, I think of the girls, she got the most. I mean, obviously, besides Trish, right? right. Trish is the main female character. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, of that group of kids. And Ted. Actually, Ted has, has a decent amount of of screen time and, like, development. Yeah, he does. Such as it is. Mm-hmm. And then there's... And, well, and I don't know... Well, he kind of comes in later in the movie, but then there's Rob, too. Right. Rob is definitely definitely a main character. Yeah. But he's talk about Rob. separate. Right. He's random, kind of. Uh-huh. But <laughs> you're just like, oh, look, a grown man. Um <laughs> Like, oh, okay. All right. Oh, okay. Um, but yes, yeah, so there is there is um, Jimmy and Ted, mm-hmm. Sarah and Sam, um, Doug, Paul, and then there's Tina and Terry. Yep. <laughs> Who actually don't come with that group. But yeah, so they show up at the house. They're having a good time. Jimmy has just gotten dumped, mm-hmm. which is like his primary motivating factor. Ted's primary motivating factor seems to just be, like, getting laid. He's just, like, that character in this movie where, like, he's he's just kind of, like, the asshole. He keeps, like, you know, messing with Jimmy for mm-hmm. no apparent reason. Um, calling him a dead and fuck. And then, uh, calling him a dead fuck, which is really a very, very rude thing to call somebody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Kristen Glover's character is like, I, 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 I really don't like it when you call me that. It's like... <laughs> Well, I mean, who would? Right, right. <laughs> but, and then and then there's a couple of couples, right? There is Sarah and Doug, who is a relatively new couple, and Sarah's the virginal one, and she, like, you know, they haven't actually slept together yet, mm-hmm. and they're, like, sleeping in separate beds because, you know, Doug's a gentleman, and he's being respectful, and yada, yada, yada. And then there's uh, Sam and Paul, who have been together for a while, and Sam's, like, you know, freer with such things, and so, which they actually have a conversation about at the very beginning of the movie. Yep. 
you know. And those two get right to fucking. But yeah, and poor Tommy. Tommy's like, what, 12, 13? Mm-hmm. The poor kid, he just wants to see some boobs. I... And he's just, he's he's foiled at every turn. <laughs> the amount of excitement that that boy had. Oh my god. It's, it's legitimately adorable. Because mm-hmm. he's not, I mean, he's not really, it's not like he's really being a creep. Like, it's just like, his window's open and so is theirs. Right. He's just like, like I mean, sure. yes, he could have gotten up and closed the blinds, but like, he's 12, right? So he's just like, oh my god, oh my god. It's like, oh my god, boobs. I'm about to see boobs. <laughs> and then his mom walks in. And, like, is, like, yeah, I know you're not asleep. Yep. I'm going to go ahead and close these blinds. Yep. But, yeah. And then there's the scene where, like, after they meet the Doublemint twins, mm-hmm. that they all decide to go skinny dipping right. in the middle of the goddamn day. Yeah. I'm like, what? Broad daylight in a public lake. Um, <laughs> and Trish and Tommy show up. Of course. Right. And actually, they try to get Trish to come skinny dipping with her, just with them, despite the fact that she has her 12-year-old brother right. with her. Like, because that's not weird. And she's like, sorry, I think I'm overdressed for this. Right. She's one of my favorite lines of the mm-hmm. movie. Um, on the way home from that excursion, mm-hmm. right, they meet Rob. Yes. And Rob's important because Rob is the source of every single piece of exhibition in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, no one there has any way to know who Jason is until Rob shows up with literally a manila folder full of articles. Specifically about (laughs) About Jason. Jason. Specifically about Jason and his crimes. Which is so random. So. Like, why? It's so random. Why are you carrying these around in your, like, hiking gear? Right. Well, I mean, because even, I mean, he was hunting Jason. Like, that was his whole thing. But, like, he already knows all that information. Why does he need to have it with him? Right. (laughs) Clearly, in case he meets, like, some pretty little blonde who's too young for him, and he can convince her that he's not crazy. Yep. (laughs) With all of this evidence. (laughs) Well, and so that Tommy has a reference photo for when he's making himself into Jason at the end. I mean, yeah, that's really what it comes down to as well. (laughs) That's really what what they needed it for. Mm -hmm. Um... But, so, Rob is, he says his name, he's like, hi, I'm Rob Dyer. As if anyone would remember his sister's name from part two. Yep. Didn't even... I had to look up. I literally watched those movies, what, six days ago? And I had to look up which one was his sister. Mm -hmm. Because... They never say their last fucking names. <laughs> I actually don't. I never looked it up. Which one was his sister? So his sister was Sandy, who was the one in part two that was killed with the spear during the sex scene. Got it. Okay. So the the inverse of the Kevin Bacon right. kill in part two, mm-hmm. the girl was his sister. Got it. Okay. All right. I'm on board. Which is part of the reason that they use that as a scene in the little recap which is also on my list of favorite things about this series because they consistently recap every single movie they recap every single movie and every single movie they add on to the recap yep and it's like it's like a television show Mm -hmm. right like usually movies don't do this (laughs) it's like last time on friday the 13th like (laughs) 
So they immediately take this young man home. Because he fixes their car. Mm-hmm. Because this was the 80s and that's what people did. Um, and this is where, like, that scene is where we see the, the full extent of Tommy's monster mask collection. Yes. And just how good at it he is. And <laughs> really quick before we, because I do want to talk about that for sure. I love that, like, Tommy just brings him into the house and just, like, drags him upstairs. And their mom's like, um, hi, random stranger <laughs> yeah, that's it's a, closer it's a to my scene. age than you than my own children. Right, yeah, like, who are you? <laughs> and she's just like, okay, this is fine. Tommy, who's your friend? I mean, okay, so I guess you you could assume... In, in their defense, that the daughter explained what was happening. True. And the scene, like, the, the point of view just cuts upstairs to Tommy and Rob. But that, like, Trish told her mother who this was and where they found it. I would like to hope so. But were I their mother, I would not be particularly comforted by who he was or where they found nope. him. <laughs> because where they found him was the side of the fucking road. <laughs> But it's not 1984, so um, <laughs> what do you do? They're doing all that. The other kids are partying. Yep. This is when Jason shows up. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, the first one to go is Sam. She gets mad because her boyfriend, Paul, is paying too much attention to one of the Doublemint twins. Mm-hmm. She goes for a swim in the lake at night. Which is not a good idea for a lot of reasons. Yeah. But, you know, I'm like... Uh, usually you don't think that there's going to be a machete-wielding monster in there. I it's mean... It's just going to be like, you know, that you're going to drown. But uh, she gets killed in a raft. Okay. Can we talk about this? Because, like... So she gets killed in an inflatable raft with a sharp object. hmm Coming from the bottom. Mm-hmm. And the raft does not sink. <laughs> <laughs> so okay so i thought about this i thought about this okay too. i'm glad you have an answer because i don't <laughs> so okay so with that kind of of dinghy that she was floating mm-hmm. in the bottom is mm-hmm. not inflated the bottom is just a flat piece of plastic so okay. while while normal boats if you did that they would sink but because the entire outside is all inflated, it would start to fill up with water a bit, but it would not end up sinking. Right. Like, it would have to really fill with water before it started even sagging. Yeah. It, because, like, all of the buoyancy is around the sides. Mm-hmm. Well, because that, okay. yeah, and, like, you would honestly, it wouldn't end up sinking until you actually popped one of the, like, popped the side. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that makes me feel better about that. I but literally, I had the exact same thought process. I was like, "What is happening?" Right. Well, it happened, and then like Paul comes out because like he has a crisis of conscience, and like goes out to find his girlfriend. Right. Then he finds her in the raft. Right. Yep. And I'm like, wait. <laughs> but yes. Okay. That makes sense. What you just said, and I feel better about it. Oh, and also like in in just tying mm-hmm. back to the production hell that went on with this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, she ended up catching pneumonia. Oh yeah, she mm-hmm. like went almost hyper or hypothermia. They, That's what yeah, she got. Sorry. they went because they just kept her in that lake. Yep. In between takes, mm-hmm. that was actually one of the things that um, Ted White got really mad about. Yes. Yep. 
So if you look at the credits of this movie, you will not see a, a Jason credit. Mm-hmm. You will see past Jason credit past Jason's credited for that recap at the beginning, mm-hmm. but you won't see a Jason credited. And that is because Ted White, who did play Jason in this film, mm-hmm. uh, rem- got so pissed off by the treatment of the actors that he removed his name from the credits of this film. Which is wild. Because these films are popular. Mm-hmm. Like, right? Like, that's that's a, that's a ballsy move. Um, but yeah, so... <laughs> they almost killed Sam. Mm-hmm. They almost killed uh, Sam in filming the death scene for Sam. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I believe the next one to go is her boyfriend. Uh, I do believe you're right. Yeah, I think she, he is the next one to go. Because at that point, Jason's still in the lake. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um... Cause he so he just he gets like closer and closer to the house. Yeah, because like he goes from being in the lake to being on the dock. Because he gets like, I it was kind of a quick death scene, so I couldn't fully tell what happened. But it almost looked like he had gotten like a harpoon shoved through him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had something like that. Yeah, some kind of like spear gun or harpoon or something. Um, and spear- he like lifts him out of the water. Spear gun makes more sense. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, I know Jason Since has he's like, not a whale. Right, right, right. And I know that Jason has like kind of superhuman strength, but also like that's mm. <laughs> a stretch. Well, I mean, it it would be. I mean, it wouldn't be out. It wouldn't be out of the question that the series would would take a harpoon and just like. Because, I mean, they take a spear and shove it through two kids at the, like, they put an arrow through Kevin Bacon's throat. That's like, they true. don't care about the, I mean, they don't really, they don't really, they don't really take into account the tensile strength of their weapons. No. <laughs> Very much. No. But, um, it's just, I think it's a spear gun just because, like, he does seem to, like, pull some kind of trigger and then it, like, extends. Yes. Right? Like, his body actually, like, goes up. hmm Right? Um. But yeah, so that's, yeah, so he's like closer to the shore and then he gets out of the lake and takes out Terry, mm-hmm. which is one of the twins. Yep. Because she gets mad because after Paul went after Sam, Tina, who was the twin who Paul was paying attention to, decided that she was going to bang Jimmy, which <laughs> much to Ted's chagrin. <laughs> yeah. Because Ted Blossom is the only one in this movie who does not get laid. Yeah. Well, of that group. Of that, yeah, of that like, group. Of that yeah, group. The Jarvis obviously. family doesn't count. Um, right. None of them get laid. Pretty sure that Trish and Rob never sleep together. No. No. They don't have time. Yeah, they don't have time. That would have been an eventual thing, I'm sure. But. Oh, yeah, it was happening. Mm-hmm. But. So. Jimmy and Tina are upstairs having sex. Terry decides that she's leaving because she doesn't want to hang out with Ted. Well, and kind of rightfully so because he's... Right, because at this point he's also drunk. And trying way too (laughs) hard. And he found... He's trying way too hard, right? Which seems to be like, I think this is a problem that he has a lot. But also, he inexplicably found, like, vintage porn. Like, really vintage porn. Like, 1920s. Yeah, was that like and Super was like, 8 or something like that? Like, that was pre-Super older, 8. Older, I think. Yeah, I think it was older. It was like a legitimate film reel. Yeah. 
like a the like yeah like a like a 35 millimeter like <laughs> film reel and then he's like yeah we're gonna watch this and it's hilarious i'm like i mean it is pretty funny it, it's pretty funny yeah like i I do, I do enjoy like i do i do find the the porn like legitimately funny it's just that like they don't even show you where it was he just is holding a film reel something yeah he's like i got this porn and he's like guys look what i found look at this. <laughs> like, where'd you find that i know you know i just found <laughs> it just who just has like who just has a 35 millimeter reel of of like spliced together vintage porn in their lake house like who owns this house i mean i know i have some of it in my lake house but i'm hiding it better than they did i mean (laughs) um so yeah so terry which is the other twin leaves because uh sarah who is the virginal one decides also that she and doug are going to get to fucking so they go upstairs. Yep. And so now it's just poor Ted sitting there all alone. Watching this porn. Having a wonderful time, actually, because he's drunk off his ass, yeah, too. And so high. it's just like, this is great. Drunk and high, and he's just, he, he's having a great time. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think he, I think he w- might have been the happiest when he was killed. <laughs> yeah, actually. Um, but yeah, so Jimmy comes back downstairs. Uh, so Terry gets it when she goes out to leave. She's like, okay, I'm leaving you here. Goodbye. And she goes out and, and gets it in the driveway. Jim, Jimmy comes back downstairs to gloat to Ted. Yep. Because Tina said that he was incredible in bed. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, is contrary to Ted's theory. <laughs> so he came to, like, gloat at him. Um, and Ted's happy for him. That's the best part. He's like, congratulations, man. <laughs> He's like not pissed anymore. Um, so then uh, Jimmy and I actually think and like I, I guess I have to remember that like I was surprised that Jimmy was killed as early as he was. I was too. I was too. But I guess I have to remember that like this was really before Crispin Glover was Crispin Glover. Yes. Right. So it's kind of like but he was still he was like a big character. Mm-hmm. I expected him to be one of the last ones to go. Um. But he was next. He went, you know, he went into the kitchen and, uh, you know, Jason drove a corkscrew through his hand, which would be really unpleasant. Uh huh. <laughs> like, they're not very sharp. It would take a lot of force. Um, and then, you know, he gets a machete to the face. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Ted gets taken out through the screen like they're very into they're very into now jason stabbing people through things yeah like that has just become the signature move of the series at this point like even when it doesn't entirely make sense (laughs) like that jason got somehow from the kitchen to behind that to the projector to behind that screen without ted seeing him yeah i don't know how i don't know how because, like, the kitchen was back here. Right. Like, behind him. And so was the projector. So that makes sense. He could have gotten to the projector. But then Ted is walking toward the screen. And Jason would have also had to be walking toward the screen. <laughs> and again, we've been over this. Jason is massive. Can't really miss him. So, <laughs> how did he get back there? But, it was neither here nor there. Um, Plot holes are a thing. I mean, especially in this series. Yes. Um, but I mean, it's a good scene. It's a good scene because you have like the spotlight of of the 
projector on Ted and then the machete comes through or the knife, whatever he has at that point, comes through the screen and then you just like see Ted go down mm-hmm. with the streak of blood against the white. Like it, visually it works. Yeah, it did end up looking really nice. Yeah, logically not so much, but visually it works. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't need logic. Jason came back from the dead. We are asking too much if we are asking for logic from the, these movies. That's that's a good point. That is an excellent point. <laughs> something something of which I need to be constantly reminded I, on this podcast. I, <laughs> so, like... <laughs> completely understand because I am in the same boat. <laughs> I am in the boat that didn't sink. Um, right. <laughs> Uh, and then Tina comes downstairs because, like, she just went to the bathroom and the boy she was gonna, that she was sleeping with just disappeared. Mm-hmm. So she was like, came downstairs, like, what the hell are you guys doing? And then she gets it. Well, because she notices that her sister's bike is still there. She does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So first she notices that the boys have, like, seemingly disappeared. Right. right. And then she looks outside and notices that the bike is still there. Mm-hmm. And then she's killed. So now everyone in the house is dead except for Sarah and Doug. Mm -hmm. Like, everyone is still alive and well at the other house. He hasn't gotten there yet. Although he has been messing around with Rob's campground. He has. And, like, we should say that he actually does that sort of on the way up to the house. He, like, messes with the campground. Mm -hmm. And... I'm trying to think of time frame. Mm-hmm. And I guess it does make sense to be after. I don't know. I'm just trying to think because I'm trying to think of the time frame when Mrs. Voorhees gets gets got. Mrs. Jarvis. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. We're not talking about the first movie. We're talking about the fourth. <laughs> She's gone. She's long gone. She's out of here. They don't even use her head anymore. She's just, she's out of the picture entirely. Although they do show, they do show like a, a, a gravestone that seems to be just on the side of the road. Yeah, just randomly. I'm like, okay. Like it doesn't, I'm like, is that a cemetery or did somebody just put a gravestone for a mass murderer on the side of the road? I mean, both track, I feel like. I feel like both track. Well, both track. No. I mean, that's true. But, like, also, you know, I mean, it's, you know. Anyway. <laughs> I'm just not going to say it. Got that. Um, but so they do They do mention, like, they do reference her, at mm-hmm. least. Um, so they aren't they are completely cutting her out of the story at this point. Right. Um, I just straight up But, goofed. you know, at least I, they... I totally meant Mrs. Uh, right, I know. Jarvis. Yeah. yeah. Mrs. Jarvis... I don't think Mrs. Jarvis gets got until all of the kids in the other house are dead. Okay. Yeah, I just, I could, I could not remember, but I think that makes sense. Yeah, because. Because it's already raining. Yeah. Because of course. The storm rolls in. The storm rolls in. It has to. Mm-hmm. Means Jason's coming. Um. But yeah, I, it is already raining because mm-hmm. she, when she walks in, she's soaked. Right. Right? And it is not raining when the murders start in the other house. Mm-hmm. It it starts raining somewhere somewhere in there. So I think that he clears that house and then goes to the house next door. Yes, because it, it starts raining when the first twin starts to leave. 
that's mm-hmm. yep. But yeah, it's pouring. Right, when she, she gets like on. goes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. It 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 goes out, or yeah, Terry goes out, and she's like, she hears the thunder, and she's like, shit, and she like starts trying to like get her bike out quicker, mm-hmm. and then she's killed. Yep. Right, so that's when the storm starts, mm-hmm. and it's already been storming when she gets home. So yeah. I think he's just, I mean, he's just going door to door. Yeah. Like, he's just going to kill everybody. Mm-hmm. That I mean, that's my theory. <laughs> he's just going to, like, if they hadn't stopped him at the Jarvis house, he would have gone to the next house. <laughs> the next one, the next one. He's like, Avon um, calling. <laughs> <laughs> Try our new perfume, Oh to Death. Oh to Death. <laughs> <laughs> try try out this new lipstick it's morgue gray <laughs> <laughs> would you like to lose would you like to lose 20 pounds i'm just gonna cut off your arms <laughs> just like that it's magic <laughs> gone <laughs> um but yes so yeah so she is not so he clears out the other house and then he goes after the jarvis family mm-hmm. the only two left in the house are Sarah and Doug. <laughs> They're having a nice little moment in the shower. Sarah gets out of the shower. Goes to dry her hair. Her hair does not dry. Oh, yes. Which is yes. why. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, my God. I was so irritated when I saw this. I'm like, okay, girl. Like, do your thing. Dry your hair. Cool. We flash back to a different right, scene. Like... like like, get yourself all, all ready and cute, right? For when your man comes back in. Right. Right? I'm like, ma'am. And then it, it cuts back to her and she turns off the hairdryer and her hair is still soaked. Like, she did not, it did nothing. It did literally nothing. It was exactly the same as it was before she started drying her hair. Quote, unquote, drying. I cannot. <laughs> I was so, I'm like, who, who let this, who let this, this happen? Who in the makeup department said, this is fine. <laughs> right. Just let her hair be wet still. Hair dryers don't work. Not in this world. <laughs> Not in this world they don't. I. This is right in the 13th. We don't care about physics. No. No, no. I was baffled. We don't care about logic and we don't care about physics. No. We're not here for it. And don't you ask for it. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, that was, I was, I was like, I was like, what? Um, but in the meantime, while she is drying her hair, right, uselessly drying her hair, um, Doug gets his face smashed. Yeah. Which is one of the better kills in the movie. Yep. Yeah. I actually appreciated this one. Mm-hmm. Um, also a moment that pissed everybody off because... They didn't put any padding behind that kid. Yep. And he got actually so, smashed in to the wall. Right. So, like, he actually got, like, you know, like, the wind knocked out of him when he gets pushed into the mm-hmm. wall. Um, You know, obviously he doesn't get his skull crushed. But, right. Because, like, he was fine afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it hurt. <laughs> and he was like, hey, could I have some padding? And they are like, nope. <laughs> we want your reaction authentic. Unlike right? the rest it's of this just, movie. It goes back. Right? Right? Yeah. Like, well, I mean, it just, it goes back. It goes back to, we were talking about this with Kubrick and we were talking about this with Freakin. It's like, trust your actors. Trust that you can keep them safe and they can still make it seem like they are unsafe because they're acting. Yes. (laughs) Trust your actors. (laughs) Do not injure them. No, 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 no. 
But yeah, he gets his face smashed in. Mm-hmm. Sarah comes back in, finds him mm-hmm. virtually impaled on a shard of the glass from the shower door. Yeah. Which is mm-hmm. also like it was it was a good setup. Um and then Sarah's also killed. Mm-hmm. So now Jason has run out of bodies. In this house. Oh. In this house. So he decides to go next door. Yes. To see if he can borrow a cup of a cup of blood. Um <laughs> that was dumb. That was a dumb joke. <laughs> And he gets his, and it's warm. It's hot. It's hot, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So it is at this point, or in in this general time, Mm -hmm. that Mrs. Jarvis comes home. But Trish and Tommy aren't home, Mm -hmm. and they have the dog. So she's starting to freak out because she can't find her children, Mm -hmm. and like. This is the 80s, so it's not like she could just text them and be like, get your asses home now. Um, So, and she starts to hear noises. She goes outside to investigate. And we have that classic move of a Friday the 13th movie where we do not actually see Mrs. Jarvis die. Mm -hmm. She turns around. She gasps. It cuts. And they never show her body. They never show her body. That is true. Usually when... So, I actually have I actually have a tidbit about it that as well. <laughs> I think I know the tidbit. I think I have this. You know the tidbit. Think, but that's okay. So, there was an alternate ending. Yes. Yep. Where Trish, when she was like searching through the house mm-hmm. and like running through the house from Jason, runs into the bathroom and finds her mother's body yep. in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. But you are right. Usually when we don't see the person get killed, we do see their body later. Right. Yeah, she was the one exception. Uh, no, there is one other exception. In part two, we do not see Paul get killed and we don't see his body. Oh, uh, yeah. You're right. All right. He's the second exception. Right. But still. I also feel like there's a boy named Paul in every single one of these goddamn movies. I really like the name Paul. Or a boy named Ted. Like, you would think that if, if like, this guy's writing a Friday the 13th movie. Like, there are a lot of names. There are a lot of names. Mm-hmm. So many. <laughs> that, like, he would have watched the previous three movies and been like, maybe I don't name any of these people the same names as have been in any of these movies. No, we got the creative no, no. rights to this name. So, you know. Nope. They, they did not <laughs> do that. That's how that goes. <laughs> so... You have to you have to distinguish between part two Paul and part four Paul. Because you know There might have also been one somewhere in part three. Well, and it doesn't help that there are crossover characters on top of it, so like that crossover between different movies. So like you have right. these names that keep repeating and you're like, but which one? Right. Was he just in two movies or is it just two guys named Paul? <laughs> in this case it is two guys named Paul. This is a completely different Paul. Fair. Uh, then Trish and Tommy show up from wherever they were. They were like in town or something. Right. Um, they come home and now they can't find their mom. They're having the opposite problem. So Trish goes out to investigate Mm -hmm. and she specifically goes to find Rob. Right. 
because she's freaked out. The power's out from the storm. The phone is out because... Well, no, I guess Jason hadn't cut the phone at that point. Not yet, That's later. no. Yeah, not, not yet. Um, so she goes to find Rob. And he almost... He almost stabs her, but with a machete. Which, okay, can we also talk about this? Because, like, you just randomly slash at your own tent in the middle of the rain, sir. Why? Right. Why? Well, and you would think that you would be able to tell the difference between the shadow of a 17-year-old girl and the shadow of a, of a, of a massive zombie man. You would think so. Like, he knows who he's looking for. Right. Like, it's not like everyone else is like, oh my god, here's this random person. Um, but there is, like, I feel like they might have at one point toyed with the idea of teasing Rob as the killer. I, which I could see that. I can see that. I can see that. Sort and of and I, I think they decided, I think they decided to pull that back, but there are a couple of scenes that are like left over, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. that like don't make a ton of sense because maybe that Rob would at least be suspected of being the killer. Right. Well, like, literally, the, the scene but, that you're introduced to, to him, he is, like, there's on, there's ominous music, and they portray him as kind of creepy, which... Right, I mean, and he, like, pops out at them and, like, startles Tommy. Right. And, you know, he's got a knife in his boot. I'm like, okay, sir. But... <laughs> there's a knife in my boot. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, God. So, here we have the scene where, uh, you know, they then sit in the tent that is leaking because he just put a big ass hole in it. Uh, And he explains the whole thing to her, right? With his manila folder full of articles. Right. And she just keeps saying, but he's dead. The man who killed your sister is dead, <laughs> but he's dead. And finally, he says, Jason's body has gone missing from the morgue, which I feel like might have been burying the lead a little bit. <laughs> I think you should have said that earlier in this conversation. Yeah, yeah, that would have been a better thing to bring up in the beginning, maybe. Right. Yeah. Like, I am here because Jason's body is missing from the morgue, and I feel like he's going to come back. Right. Oh, that's another thing. When he first shows up, he specifically asks if anyone is staying at the lake. Yes. Yep. He's like, anyone staying at the lake? Any kids? Right? So I I do think that they definitely could have gone in that direction. And I think maybe there was like hints that they were going to and then they decided not to. One thing, though, that I did want to mention about when, uh, when Rob is talking about Jason and and Jason Jason's missing and Mm -hmm. his defense on that is well there's two people from the hospital that are missing and I'm like right she says it's stolen he's like but there's also two people who are who are missing from the hospital it's like so they stole him (laughs) so what you're saying is that you just answered my my response with facts because you just told me the people that took the body Okay. Well, and why would they be missing? Where would they go? Right. 
I mean, I guess maybe he would have hidden those bodies because, like, he wanted time to get to... But, like, at this point, he's a zombie. And, like, you know, Jason isn't exactly a planner. Like, it's... Right. You know what I mean? Like, he killed those people because they were there. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to go kill the nurse. No. Like, he could have just killed the one guy and walked out of the hospital. But, no, he wanted to go kill the nurse. Mm-hmm. And one would assume he would have just left their bodies there. So, I don't know... Like, I wish we would have, like, found out where those bodies went. Because it's, like, it's an interesting little question of, like, where the hell did he put right. them? Yeah. I wish like, that they would be he didn't them. walk out of the hospital with two bodies. No, he hid he but hid it, them somewhere. Right. Ostensibly in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So why haven't they found them? Um, but he's telling her the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And she goes, oh, my God, Tommy's at the house. So they go back to the house. And then they decide that they're going to go to the other house. To investigate. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is at this point that the phone line has been cut. Right. Yeah. And they're not able to call out. Like, she goes to call the police. Mm-hmm. And you actually see Jason, like, ripping it out of the wall. Yep. Right. Uh, so then they go to the other house. And they find all the bodies. Mm-hmm. Right. Or they don't find all the bodies. But they find some of the bodies. And... Can we talk? Can we talk about the title of the episode right now? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Because when Trish goes down to the basement and finds Rob, Mm -hmm. right? And they're like, oh, we should leave. But then I think he drops something. Like he drops his knife and so he goes down to get it. Yep. And she's like, no, you definitely shouldn't do that. He's in the house. And Rob's like, I need my knife. And so he goes down there and, and Jason immediately like pops up with whatever weapon Rob had in his hand and starts stabbing him with yep. it. Rob starts screaming. Oh, God, he's killing yeah. me. <laughs> oh, God, he's killing me. Like, Trish, run, he's killing me. I'm like, what person in the history of people getting killed? Nope, nope. No. Has ever said the words, he's killing me, while someone is killing them. Like, I mean, at that point, I feel like that's a little early in the game to give up, right? Like, not he's trying to kill me, not he's hurting me. Right. He's killing me. He's killing me. me. <laughs> and I would very much like that to be the, the title of the episode. Done. <laughs> oh, God, he's killing me. <laughs> Run! Um, but yeah, so Rob's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, so Trish then has to get out of the house and, and Jason follows her. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So this is something that I wanted to bring up. So like, she's trying to get out of the house and she goes to the mm-hmm. front door and mm-hmm. one of the twins is laying in front of the door and she's mm-hmm. like, I can't get out here. Right. I'm like, ma'am. As if it's not like one small woman. <laughs> I'm like, man, ma'am, step over the body. Step over, step right. around. There is space there. Or, like, move her. Right. I mean, I understand. I get it. I get that you don't want to... I get that you don't want to... Like, panic. Touch the dead body, Mm -hmm. but, like, giant zombie man with a machete. Right. Maybe you should touch the the dead body and get it out of your I mean, instead of having to go through the process of, like, breaking a window and climbing through it. But, you know, that's just me. Oh, speaking of breaking windows, the other thing that happens before Rob is killed is Jason throws their dog out the window. Oh, yeah. Which is, like... Was unnecessary. Yeah. Like, 
Like, yes, this is a movie that's on doesthedogdie.com. Mm-hmm. It was completely unnecessary. <laughs> the dog could have just gotten scared and ran away, mm-hmm. right? But no, no. There's like this, this like crazy shot of the dog like flying out of the window. Yeah. And it's not. I mean, you know, it's always upsetting when the, when a dog is killed. But it also just like visually is so disorienting that you're like, wait, what's happening uh-huh. right now? Is is the dog? Did the dog jump out of the window? Like that's what it looks like. Is the dog escaping? That's what it looks like. But then you never see the dog again. Right. And, like, you you heard it, like, sort of whimpering mm-hmm. before that. So, like, I think that what you're supposed to think there is that Jason killed the dog and then threw it out the window. I think that's the case, but... I... Especially since Jason likes to throw, throw dead bodies through mm-hmm. windows. Like, that's kind of his jam. Um, but, yeah, that, that part, I'm just, I was just like, what? <laughs> Why? Completely necessary. Just completely necessary. <laughs> completely necessary. Yeah. It's going to kill this dog. Um, bastard. Uh, so yeah, so he does, he follows Trish back to the house. He throws someone through the window, and I forget who. He throws himself through the window. No. No, 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 no. There's definitely no, a dead body. No, he throws Is Rob. It's, he, he throws Rob through the window. Is it Rob yeah. that he throws through the window? Yeah. Okay. Um, so... So now he's in the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have to run upstairs to, you know, the room full of uh, Tommy's monster masks. Mm-hmm. And in the interim, while Trish and Rob were investigating the other house, Tommy found all the stuff about Jason. Yes. And like read up on mm-hmm. it. Including the, the, um, the artist's interpretation of what Jason looked like as a child. Right. Right. The the artist's rendering of Alice's witness statement mm-hmm. of what she saw in the lake. Right. Which, you know, took place when Jason would have been 30 years old. Neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> so, like... We're not here. Definitely not. We're not here look. looking for time frames, okay? <laughs> right. Yeah. Once again, we don't care about physics. No. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, so he's studying all that stuff. So now he knows. Now he knows the deal, right? Now he knows what what Jason is. Mm-hmm. Um. And yes, Trish is like, I'm gonna lead him away, right? Trish is being the 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 adult, right, of the two, the more adult of the two, the big sister, and saying like, I'm going to distract him, and you are going to run out of the house, right. And Tommy does not do that. No, he doesn't. He does quite the opposite. He does quite the opposite. He decides to do something that's going to take a damn long uh-huh. time. He decides he's going to shave his head. <laughs> well, and so the other thing that threw me off about that is because while he was doing it, he was like giving himself a mohawk. And I'm like, okay, is your plan to like look badass? Like, is that your thought process? Like, I'm going to look really cool. Before I beat this dude's right, ass. It's like his trans, it's like, just his transformation moment into like you know, like you, that's not how this works, dude. It's not you're right. you're thirteen. You're not gonna you're, right. You do not look like a badass. No. I'm not sure Corey Feldman has ever looked like a badass in his entire life. Like even as an adult, yeah. he's just like perpetually baby faced. Yep. <laughs> 
even now. Mm-hmm. He's like 50 and he still kind of looks baby faced. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> Trish. And, so another favorite line of, or another favorite moment of mine is when Trish does come back into the house, right? Because she like has sort of run in a loop and she ends up back in the house. Mm-hmm. And she hears Tommy calling for her, and she's like, Tommy, you were supposed to leave. <laughs> like, we had a plan. <laughs> like, what are you doing? He's like, fuck your plan. I shaved my head. <laughs> right? <laughs> I got my own plan. I got my own plan. Um, and it works. So, and it does. It does mm-hmm. work. Well, I mean, it works so far as anything can work against Jason, because he's just going to come back True. in the next movie. But, but for the moment, it works. He survives. He gets to grow up mm-hmm. and into Tom Matthews. Um, that's what happens. Uh, so, yes. So, Tommy comes downstairs. He has transformed himself into what he would think that Jason might have looked like Mm -hmm. as a child. And he calls him. And it's, I mean, it's very simple. It's, it's kind of similar to what, um, Ginny Amy Steele's character yep. does at the end of part two yep. with the, with the putting on Pamela Voorhees sweater mm-hmm. and pretending to be her. Right. But he's just pretending to be him. Right. Um, and distracts him long enough for Trish to get the drop on a drop on him, which doesn't work because he's Jason. Yep. Right. So then Jason's back attacking Trish and Tommy grabs the machete. And Buries it into Jason's skull. Ugh. Which was a great effect. Oh, so It was a great effect. <laughs> I, like, immediately I was um, like, oh, Tom Savini. Oh, yes, but but in the interim, when Trish attacks Jason mm-hmm. while Tommy is, she knocks the mask off. Yes. Yes, she does. And you, for the first time... See a full-on, fully lit shot of adult Jason's face. And now it's like, not just like, you know, not just a a dude who has some like severe congenital facial deformities, but now kind of also a zombie, right? Mm -hmm. So like, it's all, it's all, it's all kinds of fucked up. And uh, it's this great moment because like, I know that that was a nod to Lon Chaney. A nod to what? And Phantom of the Opera. To Lon Chaney in Phantom of the Opera. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just, there's just no way it wasn't. That scene, like, that scene, her reaction Mm -hmm. to the face, like, the whole thing, like, was absolutely 100% an homage to Lon Chaney. So, you know, you think everything's better. Jason's down. Trish and Tommy hug it out. Tommy notices that Jason's hand is still moving. And he goes ham. (laughs) He just starts... Hacking at this guy with this machete. Yep. And Trish is like yelling for him to stop. And he's like, no. And it gets happen. all sort of like, yeah, it gets all sort of like the music swells and like the, the it goes into slow motion. Like it's, and it, like, it's really tight on Tommy's face. Cause he's, you know, has this like sort of animalistic look on his face while he's doing this. Because oddly enough, even though they claimed that <clears throat> this was going to be the last one, they absolutely set it up that Tommy Jarvis was going to, Right? Like, Like, take over. This was never going to be the last one. (laughs) 
don't give me that shit. Like, you always, you always leave it open for a sequel. Mm-hmm. For another sequel. Um, yeah, because when Trish is then in the hospital, mm-hmm. right, she's like, you didn't answer my question. And they're like, what happened to your brother is normal. Like, he was defending himself. He was under this rush of adrenaline. You guys had tried at least 16 separate times to kill this dude and it hadn't worked. So he's like, I'm going to hack it. I'm, I'm going to hack at him until he's dead. And like, and that's normal. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Tommy walks in and they have, and then they, there are two shots. There's the shot of him silhouetted in the doorway mm-hmm. where he looks like Jason because his head is still shaved. Because he actually shaved his head. Right. And then when he hugs Trish in the hospital bed and right before it uh, fades to black, he opens his eyes and like looks straight into the camera. Mm-hmm. And looks... Which like... Psychotic. And looks psychotic, right? Like, so like clearly setting it up that... And like Tommy Jarvis is a character in like the next two movies. Mm-hmm. So like it does... But, like, you know, I don't I don't think the direction they were going <laughs> with that ever fully materializes. No. So that is it for Friday the 13th, the final chapter. But we will be back, just like Jason always <laughs> comes back. We will always be back. <laughs> that we will. And this time we'll be back with some conversation about... American Horror Story. Yes. So next week we're actually, we're doing a mini-sode about American Horror Story. And this is our first television episode. This is our first television episode. I, feel... I mean, okay, unless, so, and uh, well, if we're not counting the very first episode where we were talking about kind of movies and TV and like the whole sort of, and books and like the whole sort of like horror culture for children in the 90s. But right. like since we've been doing actual like standalone um films we've only done films mm-hmm. so this is our our first foray into television so i'm excited i'm pumped i think it's fitting that like our first television show episode is american horror story which is an anthology series mm-hmm. when we're just talking about friday the 13th where it was almost an anthology right yeah, and of course, there was also a Friday the 13th TV show there that was, was an anthology. And I have not seen it, and I know I need to. I'm not sure I've seen it either. Like, I've heard good things about it. Right. At least I think I have. Of what I remember, I've heard Well, no, things. I mean, the thing is that it was an anthology. It was more like The Twilight Zone. It was like just each episode was about a different thing that like was vaguely tied to Friday the 13th as a concept, but not... Not to Jason. Anything having to do with Jason. Right. Right. Like, because Jason really has nothing to do with the, like, superstitions surrounding Friday the 13th. No. Literally the only reason that he's tied to this is because of his birthday. Right. That's it. But, like, but they wrote that in after they'd already decided what the title was going to be. Right. The reason is because Cunningham had the title before he had the script. Yep. 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 And he's so, like, and I guess I like, tie this in somehow. Right. Like, oh, it's his birthday. Sure. Yep. But like, you know, it's it's his birthday whether it's Friday or not. <laughs> uh, until then, 
just a reminder, we are doing YouTube video now. YouTube videos now. Our first video, our Sunday morning scream for August, is up on YouTube now. So go ahead and uh, go watch that, and don't forget to like and subscribe, so that uh, you know we can keep bringing you these uh, fun little videos. As far as just hearing our voices and not seeing our faces, you can like or not like. <laughs> You can rate, <laughs> review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Spotify. We have an Instagram, FN Frights Podcast. We have a Twitter at FN Frights Pod. We have a Facebook page, which is FN Frights. Uh, nope, it's not. We One or the other of us does this every week. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just Friday Night Frights. Just search Friday Night Frights on Facebook. You will find us. Um, we have a website, FNFrightsPodcast.com. And uh, if you want to get get at us directly, go ahead and scream at us in our email address, scream at uh, fnfrightspodcast.com. And then, of course, there is our Patreon, The Fright Club. And Sean, what's the first rule of Fright Club? The first rule of Fright Club is cultivate your hobbies. No matter, yeah. no matter how weird they are, no matter yeah. unique, especially, in fact, especially if they're unique, something that's just different, fucking go for it. Just do it. Just, mm -hmm. if you want to learn how to, you know, do makeup effects or mm -hmm. build masks, in addition to just being like a fulfilling way to spend your time and like a way to exercise your creative energy... It, it might also just help you fool the world's largest 10-year-old into thinking you're him. So <laughs> go for it. Live your dream. So, gays and ghouls, tune in next Friday night. You'll be in for a fright. But until then, sleep tight. <laughs>